0: your station for prep sports year-round. We are 106.1 Nash Icon, WRKN, Yoon, New Orleans. Good evening, and welcome to All Access on 106.1 FM, Nash Icon, at nashfm1061.com, presented by crescentcitysports.com, the best sports site in Louisiana. All Access is also presented by the Allstate Sugar Bowl, representing the best of amateur athletics and by Francesca by Katie's, serving up St. Louis style food with a New Orleans flair. All access is also brought to you by Lamarck Ford and Lamarck Lincoln in Kenner, by Bergeron Automotive in Metairie, by Lifegate Church in Mandeville in Metairie, by Premier Automotive throughout the New Orleans area, John Curtis Christian School in River Ridge, by Life Resources Ministries with outreaches throughout the New Orleans area, and by the RL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. It's your chance to talk intelligent sports. All sports, all the time. To join in the conversation, call 504-260-1061. Now here's your host, Cumulus New Orleans Sports Director, Ken Trahan of CrescentCitySports.com, the Saints Hall of Fame Museum, and the Kenner Star.
1: And a pleasant good evening and welcome to another edition of All Access, the Monday night edition here on 1061-FM, Nash Icon. We're on the web at Nash FM one zero six one. Tune-in app available anywhere in the world for you to listen in any time. Of course, our podcast available through CrescentCitySports.com. When the show is over, just click on More and click on Podcast. You're there, and you can listen back. You can always email me. It's Ken at CrescentCitySports.com. Alexa will play her at home. If you just say to play WRKN or play Nash Icon one zero six one FM or call the show 504 260 one zero six one. That's two six zero. One zero six one. Pelicans are back in action tonight. We'll talk about that later in the show. College basketball, too. Of course, right now is you know it's significant to follow up on the Super Bowl, which we'll do now, but also touch on the New Orleans Saints and where they are at this point in time. And we're glad to do so with a good and great friend who does an excellent job, the Locked On Network, and Locked On the Saints, of course, and Canal Street Chronicles, among other. Entities and he is Ross Jackson. Ross, listen, we appreciate the time, as always. Thank you.
2: Oh, hey, always a pleasure to be here with you, kid. I appreciate you having me on.
1: Well, listen, obviously it was, I would say, a pretty good Super Bowl. Not a great one, but a a pretty good one. It was kind of an odd game because physically it looked like, you know, the Rams overmatched the Bengals, and yet the Bengals were right there with a chance to win at the end. A lot of twists and turns to the game. Uh, The first of which was obviously the injury to Odell Beckham, which was terrible. And, of course, Ian Rappaport reporting today that it looks like it's a torn ACL in the same knee, which is just awful. Just awful. I mean, he had found himself, was playing terrific football. Uh, Everyone said he was a good teammate. He didn't have any moments, so to speak. And it just is a horrendous sight. As soon as you saw it, you kind of knew. And, unfortunately, it, it certainly looks like that's the case.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, he, you know, got out of the Cleveland situation that he wanted to get out of. He shows up in Los Angeles, scores five touchdowns there, has, you know, a couple of great moments including, you know, some big throws even for him throughout the season. Scores a touchdown early on in in the Super Bowl, uh, in that Super Bowl game as well, and then unfortunately just had this um, really, really unfortunate situation take place with the ACL tear and, and everything and you know, that happens, what, in the second quarter of the uh, of this game, and you look at the way that the game went, which I agree, it was a good Super Bowl, not a great game, but it was certainly better than the last time that we saw the Rams in the Super Bowl, and so I thought that, you know, the battle between these two teams was one that was really at the line of scrimmage, and I think that's one of the big places where the Rams, of course, came out on top. The big concern that we had about the Cincinnati Bengals all season reared its ugly head at the worst possible time.
1: No doubt. I mean, they just couldn't block anybody, and the Rams made an adjustment at halftime, and you know, they started bringing a linebacker, and you know, that made it very difficult to double Donald. And even when they did, they couldn't block him. So it didn't make any difference. And obviously the twists and turns that occurred in the in the second half. The the Bengals score right away. The shortest touchdown ever to start a second half. It tied the Devin Hester kickoff return in the Super Bowl for a touchdown. And of course, on the play, you had a face mask that was fairly obvious on T. Higgins. So looked like a little karma there. The Rams were not going to get a call in a big game. But, of course, that would come back. Later on, we'd see differently in the game. Right. But that, that said, that was a missed call. And, and then the Bengals had a real chance to take control of that game after they come up with the interception. If they score a touchdown there and they go up by two scores, I believe they're going to win the game. But they did yes. not, and they were forced to kick the field goal.
2: Yeah, that was the I think the big turning point in this game, particularly for the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, you had Matt Stafford give up that big interception in the end zone to Jesse Bates, coming off of like that big seventy-five yard touchdown, or, or the later interception coming through, and then you are able to stop them and hold them to three points instead of giving up all of that momentum. And I think that the the Rams defense, which effectively won the game here, outside of you know Cooper Cup and the matchup with Eli Apple. I think that the Los Angeles Rams defense needed that moment. They needed to not allow that touchdown, those sort of back-to-back touchdowns that they could have given up their huge momentum swing that would have went in Cincinnati's favor. And instead, not only did they stop that momentum, but it felt like they took momentum at that point with with slowing them down to just the uh, the McPherson field goal there. So they still gave up points, but they didn't give up the most valuable piece of it all, which was the energy, the, the momentum, the confidence that they were able to build on a stop like that.
1: No question. And then, of course, the game just kind of, you know, evened out. Not much happened offensively. Rams pulled closer and then they have the big drive, you know, the the, the 79 yard drive and nearly took the whole game to get there. And Cooper Cup was incredible on the drive. It was basically all about him, uh, both running the ball to convert a big fourth down and making catch after catch when he was obviously the guy they were going to go to. And yet, a deciding play turns out to be a call they make on a defensive holding call on Wilson. Wilson played a terrific game. And yeah. to make that call on that situation, I thought was totally inappropriate, completely wrong. I mean, you it wasn't a blatant grab and just hold on to the guy. He had his shirt for about a second, let go, and then he makes a nice knockdown. We saw a lot worse than that earlier in the game, not called. I, I'm just puzzled by why that call is made in that particular situation, especially by that particular official who had to understand the gravity of the situation, right?
2: Yeah, I think there's a really interesting thing to be said there, the the lack of consistency based on the moment in these games. And, of course, this is the biggest stage of them all when it comes to the NFL being the Super Bowl. I mean, the biggest stage of them all, really, altogether. And so when you have these calls that, are game-changing calls late, not because the fact that you called them correctly, but because you got them wrong. It's just kind of inexcusable, and it's one of those situations to where, you know, the the NFL has, you know, continuously talked about how they're trying to, you know, maintain the human element of the game and all that. And I I understand, but I think the human element of life is also to need help sometimes. And so if you have these folks that are in New York that are watching all these things and are able to confirm a catch or confirm a drop, within seconds before the replay even shows, then you should be able to confirm some of these calls, particularly these big-time calls like this. And if you're, not, if you're not disrupting the receiver's path to the ball, if you're not hindering them from making an action on the ball, much like in this situation, I feel, Luke, uh, I feel like uh, linebacker uh, Luke Wilson there did not, then I think that that should be a no-call, and that should be a situation in which you let these guys play it out. But instead... You end up giving them a fresh set of downs. You advance them a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage, and then all of co- and then of course that ends up ending up being the game winning touchdown. And so instead of us talking about the game winning touchdown that Cooper Cup caught, we're talking instead, and I think rightfully so, about the call that should have happened that didn't happen. And I don't understand why the NFL is somehow just okay with that. If that makes sense.
1: Should not be okay with it. I I couldn't agree more. It would have been fourth and goal at the nine, and the odds of scoring there are not particularly great. We don't know what would have happened, but it certainly uh, altered the outcome. And then, of course, on the next play, Eli Apple, clearly a penalty there. It was kind of hard not Mm -hmm. to call that. And then the touchdown occurs. The Bengals still have a chance. They get the ball, but I thought that's the next point I was going to make, visiting with Ross Jackson, about the Super Bowl. I just thought some of the coaching decisions that – Zach Taylor may, were very curious at best. Uh, Certainly, the fourth and one early in the game near midfield, why in the world would you go for that that early in the game in that situation against that defensive front and give the Rams the ball on a short field, which, by the way, they capitalized on and went and scored a touchdown? If you punt the ball deep, your defense had played well the first series. I didn't understand it. And then, of course, on the last series, there's a lot I didn't understand. You make the eight-yard completion on first down, and then on second down, you throw a go route, and the receiver right. breaks it off. I, I, what was that? And then on third down, I mean, we can make the argument about who's in the game, but you're going to run Samaje Perine inside. And Aaron Donald gets an arm on him, and an arm tackle is all that's necessary to bring him down. I would suggest to you that if Joe Mixon's in the game, an arm tackle is not going to stop him. Short of the first right. down. But he's not in the game. He's on the sideline. And you can make the argument, well, it's their, it's their passing situation. And they go with Piron in those situations. I get it. But you ran the ball. It didn't work. You have to call timeout. And obviously, that sets up fourth and one. And you can't block Aaron Donald. And, I mean, mm-hmm. the fact that Burrow actually slung the ball in the direction of Piron was pretty impressive. But right. no chance to make the completion. But I just think coaching does matter. And I think the fourth and one early in the game was a terrible decision. And I think the play calling sequence and who was in the game on the last series was just not good. Yeah, I
2: think it's, it's, there's a couple of things here. Obviously. I mean, I am a big supporter of analytics and football as a piece of the decision making process. I don't think it's as simple as, oh, it's fourth and one and you're beyond a certain you know, yard line. It's worth it. It's not that clear cut. It's not that simple. You're protecting the ball. You're trying to protect the lead. The, the art of the punter, <laughs> as we've actually witnessed in New Orleans, is still something that is very viable. And it is a viable weapon in the NFL. And so to, to forego that, to bypass that, and then give a short field that would end up in a touchdown was curious to me as well, that that, that was a part of the, the Zach Taylor decision-making. The, the go route on second and short was a curious one as well. I completely agree there. And I understand the idea is that, you know, hey, if it falls incomplete, then, you know, you have you know, at least the clock stops. But I think what, we're, what you're used to seeing in those situations is carve up the middle of the field, get the ball down the field in a hurry. You want to advance the ball meticulously not necessarily be in a situation to where you have to do it in chunks, especially when you don't need a touchdown and all you needed was a field goal to tie and at least push it into overtime. So I'm with you hundred percent. I think some of those things are really curious. I think some of them are the curse of inexperience in a big moment like this inexperience as an NFL head coach still for Zach Taylor, who's still, you know, figuring it out. And then of course, inexperience in a big game, like the Super Bowl. You saw the play calling ability on a meticulous 79 yard drive that went, I believe it was 15 plays or so by the mm-hmm. Los Angeles Rams. You would have liked to have seen Zach Taylor, the Cincinnati Bengals, slow things down, but still operate with a good pace against the clock, of course, to be able to move their way down the field, being willing to settle for a field goal as opposed to feeling like they needed to do something out of the ordinary and push the ball downfield the like they did. And, and you know, it's, it's always going to be one of those things where. If it works, you look great. If it doesn't, you're going to get a lot of questions. It didn't work, and the Bengals are going to get a lot of questions about it.
1: As you stated, all you needed was a field goal in that situation. Of course, you want to win the game, but you have to understand the circumstance. And you're right; they're going to give you something if you can just get the ball out early enough. In fact, you know, with Piran in the game on third and two, I'm throwing the ball. I'm not running it in that situation anyway. But you know, when you run the ball. You're going to have to call timeout. You can throw the ball and stop the clock if it's incomplete or if you throw a sideline route. And there had to be some things there for you, and I just didn't really get along with that play calling on that sequence at all. And I do think it smacked of inexperience, frankly. You know, the, the thing about the narrative coming out is that, well, Joe Burrow's young, Jamar Chase is young. They're going to have plenty of chances. I really don't buy into that. I I hope they do. I'm all for it, but – It took a magical run to get there. They needed a call against the Raiders. The Chiefs game was really weird. I think they beat a better team on that day. And and then, of course, you know, when you look at the Tennessee game, it was all about the interceptions of Tannehill. And now I'm looking ahead. The Chiefs aren't going anywhere. And Buffalo looks like maybe, you know, the best overall team. And Tennessee's still good. And Baltimore's going to bounce back. Bottom line is the AFC's pretty good. And for Cincinnati to get back to that level, I don't think is going to be very easy. It's clear where they need to improve their team. They should spend all of their capital on offensive line. I mean, this is, frankly, it's remarkable they got this far with this offensive line. You'd be hard pressed to name one guy on their offensive line that's above average.
2: Yeah, I mean, winning a playoff game. When you're getting sacked five, six, seven times, uh, that that doesn't happen. And and you could see you could see the way that this usually goes. The the Bengals they they you know dominated the first half in terms of the scoreboard and, and you know these big plays and then the and then, and then also that, that extra play right after halftime you can load into there too as it happened so quickly. And you had the you know they won the turnover margin two to zero. They didn't turn the ball over. They did all of the things you're supposed to do. They checked all of the boxes. However. If you're getting your quarterback pummeled, if your quarterback's coming up with a limp at any point during the game, if you are not able to sustain drives and you're not able to perform in the biggest moments because your offensive line can't hold off, what was the one of the most remarkably talented defensive lines that we've seen with Aaron Donald and and Ashawn Robinson and and Von Miller and, and Leonard Floyd and all of these fantastic players in their D line. And then as you mentioned, them also dedicating linebackers to adding some additional pressure knowing that, they're, that the Rams' front seven was better than what the, um, what the Cincinnati Bengals can put on the offensive line, then you're in a situation there to where you can only do so much. Even though things go right, what needs to go right isn't, and that's winning in the trenches. It's something that we have seen time and time again for the Bengals. It's something that we have seen other teams really, really focus in on to make sure that they don't fall victim to that, and that's what I, where I think the Bengals should be spending all of their time this coming offseason. This is a team that is notoriously stingy. They don't like to spend a lot of money, but this season, they're going to need to.
1: Well, they're well over the cap in terms of what they can spend. So that's good. Mm-hmm. They have money to spend. And, of course, they got the 31st pick in the first round. So clearly, they have to go that route offensive line-wise because the other issue is this. Uh, Joe Burrow is not out of the – he's not in the clear at all. He may very well have injured his knee. And right. we're going to we're going to know – in the next few days or so, because he just wasn't coming out of that game. And those of us who have covered him and know him know how tough he is and what a competitor he is. And, you know, you're on adrenaline. He just wasn't going to come out. But, you know, just looking at the body language and seeing, you know, what happened to his knee, it wouldn't surprise me if there's damage there. I sure hope not. But, again, you know, this is imperative for Cincinnati to fix it now. Otherwise, you're going to be looking at, you know, a great career cut short. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Now, at the same time, I'm the first person to say they absolutely made the right decision to draft Jamar Chase as compared to an offensive lineman. You cannot argue with the success that that decision spawned for Cincinnati.
3: Yeah,
2: no, I completely agree with you. I think it's you know it's obviously a complex situation. I think that they made the right choice in terms of drafting Jamar Chase, and they proved that, they proved that to everybody. But the other piece of it is that they should have just been willing to spend money on the offensive line the way that they were willing to spend money on the defensive line. You just didn't see that in free agency. And so the the two things have to work. And I think the Rams are a good example of the balance between spending time in free agency, spending time in the trade market, and spending time with your draft. You still have to draft these guys that are going to make it work. Mm -hmm. Uh, They they drafted Cooper Cup. they drafted Aaron Donald, they drafted Darius Williams. All of these players, but then they went out and they, uh, they acquired players like Matt Stafford and Jalen Ramsey and, uh, and, and Odo Beckham Jr. and then they signed other free agents to come in and help you know they kind of developed the mercenary for hire process back in 2017, 2018 on the way to the playoffs there or on the way to the Super Bowl there. And so I think that they are a shining example of what it is that you might see more NFL teams try to replicate, not necessarily note for note, but try to replicate going into the future here, 2022 and and, and moving forward. And I think that Cincinnati could have done something very similar. They did very well in the draft, but can you add the veteran pieces at the positions that matter most so that you can go ahead and support what you're cultivating and what you're building in the draft? I don't think they did a very good job of that this past offseason. Hopefully they can do that here in 2022.
1: Well, the Bengals have certainly liked former Saints players, so you and we'll tie it into the Saints when we transition into the Saints discussion here in a moment with Ross Jackson of Canal Street Chronicles. It's two six zero one zero six one because Teron Armstead could very well be a, a target of a, a team like Cincinnati, and that would obviously be a smart move on their part. And where the Saints are concerned, that's a that's a pretty interesting scenario because uh, everybody likes him. He's a team leader. He obviously likes Dennis Allen. He he campaigned for him very hard. When he's on the field, he's a very good player. But is he on the field enough? He's 30 years old. And how much do you want to pay when you have limitations? So to me, he's the most interesting case study uh, because of his ability, because of the position he plays, because of his character. Uh, But the dependability issue is really the, the thing that holds you back from making a sizable investment. So where do you think this ends up?
2: Yeah, it's going to be really interesting, because the other piece of the Tron Armstead puzzle is that if you extend him, you knock down the dead cap that you end up in the cap hit that you would take on by losing him over the course of the offseason. So you could actually keep him, but you'd have to invest more long-term money into him in order to save the short-term spending. So it depends on which one the New Orleans Saints feel is most important. Are they willing to continue to bury themselves in the cap, knowing that they can finagle and that they can move around in it, or are they now going to move into a situation where they're trying to relieve that cap in the long term, which could then, if the Saints went with the latter, mean Tron Armstead hits the market this offseason. You would hate to lose them, certainly. The Saints could reload at left tackle in the draft. There's some fantastic first-round offensive linemen, not the least of which being Charles Cross out of South Carolina, who's fantastic, or excuse me, Mississippi State, who's fantastic. And so there are ways for them to go about doing it, but usually the Saints don't lose a player, and then replace them, they usually have a secession plan in place. And this would be a little bit of a different scenario. I think the one example otherwise would be when they lost Max Unger when he retired, but then the very next day they signed Nick Easton and then they were able to draft Eric McCoy in that same offseason. So able to get out from under that pretty quickly. The Saints could look to do that again with Toronto Armstead, but it just depends. Are they looking to shed the short-terms or are they looking to shed some of the long-term spending? And that would certainly be a big piece of the puzzle in terms of where Tron Armstead heads. My guess will be that they look to shed the long-term spending. My guess would be that Tron Armstead becomes a very highly paid left tackle, either with the Cincinnati Bengals or another tackle-needy team like the Jacksonville Jaguars.
1: Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. You're right. It's choose-your-poison, short-term or long-term. And, and again, he's a very interesting uh, case study. But Marcus Williams is, too. I mean, look, they still have the ability to tag him once again if they need to. I know they value his His ability to cover hash mark to hash mark, he's top shelf in that regard. His tackling will never be particularly good. Uh, His playmaking is pretty good, uh, but this is a guy that they clearly invested in last year by tagging him and did not retain Trey Hendrickson. So my guess is they find a way to keep him one way or the other.
2: Yeah, I would think so as well. I mean, they can go the the route of the tag. It's only 120% of what they spent last season. So he would go from just over $10 million to just over $12 million. That's not terrible at all, particularly at that position. And then the next piece of the puzzle would be, can they get an extension done and actually get it finished with them? They they, they got down the road last season. They had a contract. They had offers. They had conversations, negotiations. So they wouldn't be starting from scratch here, right? They would have a foundation upon which to build based upon his 2022, excuse me, I'm so sorry, his 2021 output. So it's not like they would be starting from a zero place or a non-started place. They would have some type of framework to build off of, with the additional context of what 2021 was for the, uh, the fantastic safety of Marcus Williams. So they, they should be a little bit further down the road, which I think could work in their advantage.
1: My guess is they move on from Trey Kwon Smith at this stage. Quan Alexander, it's going to be tough if they have to pay him. They did draft Pete Werner. He distinguished himself fairly well, and he's a young player. So you'd love to have Quan back, but I don't know that they can afford him.
2: Yeah, I mean, he should have a bit of a market here. He has shown a remarkable ability to come back off of the injury that he had late in 2020, and to be able to play the season that he played in 2021, where he was just an absolute. I mean, he still missed time, but he was a re- absolutely reliable player for them. Made a ton of plays for the team, and is just one of those guys that's like an absolute ball of energy anytime that he's on the field. And he's somebody that has a, that, that gives a lot of value just based upon what he's able to do. And then also his work with DeMario Davis has been absolutely phenomenal as well. So I I wouldn't be surprised to see them work pretty hard to keep him. Interesting thing on Traquan Smith will be, you know, now that Sean Payton's not around and how the offense changes, right, if they go heavy RPO, if they go heavy spread, then maybe Traquan Smith doesn't fit anymore. I originally thought Traquan would potentially hang around because of how much Sean Payton likes what he does, the blocker and all the additional roles that he fills. But now if that offense is going to look vastly different and they're not going to be this Air Coriel-West Coast blend with a run game, then he might not carry the same value that he did before. So I agree with you on that point.
1: Yeah, I think that's an interesting point that you make, and I, it is going to be different. And I think it's also interesting that when you look at the continuity which Dennis Allen brings, obviously, which is a large reason that they chose him, he is making mm-hmm. some changes. And two of the changes he's making – and the coaching staff are an offensive line and wide receiver, two positions that clearly were let down this year. Offensive line largely due to injury, wide receiver due to injury as well to Michael Thomas, but changes made. And obviously, he's looking for his own people, but he's also looking for better productivity. And, and, and in full disclosures, I've said many times I'm personal friends with CJ, with Curtis Johnson, and I, yeah. I hate to see him go. I really do. But every coach has to put his stamp on things.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, those two spots are are really important ones. They bring back Doug Marone, who had great seasons with them in 2006, 2008. Part of some of the top offenses that we've seen there. And him not coming back as an offensive coordinator role, but coming back as an offensive line role does a really good job for the culture. I mean, it ends up bringing in somebody that has seen this New Orleans Saints offense in its heyday and is, uh, you know, an intense enough coach that will demand the best of the players that are around and kind of knows how to fit in. Has already had a working relationship with Dennis Allen as well as they were both on those staffs. With Dennis Allen working with the uh, assistant defensive line at that time, he's the assistant defensive line coach uh, at the same time that Doug Marone was the offensive line. Guy, and then eventually would move up as well, and and also offensive coordinator in that situation. And so I think that, you know, adding him there is great. I'll be very interested to see what they do at wide receiver. I thought Coach CJ, um, you know, a friend of yours, was such a phenomenal piece to what the New Orleans Saints have been able to do so consistently over the course of the last 16 seasons that I was, or, you know, over the course of his seasons there, I was really, really surprised to see him go. So I agree there, but I'll see, you know, it'll, it'll be really, really interesting to see what they do there because obviously. This is a team that has really, really spent its time trying to develop wide receiver talent as opposed to acquiring proven wide receiver talent, right? They've they've gone with the undrafted free agents. They've gone with the, you know, the the quick free agents that they're able to pick up, like Kenny Still's late seasons, things like that. And so I would imagine that the Saints will look for a developer in that role that can also identify proven uh, possibility, proven prospects, particularly in the draft, which is something that the Saints haven't really imbe- or a place that the Saints haven't really invested in that
1: position. No, they really haven't. I mean, that's that was a constant with Coach Payton. Uh, Robert Meacham was a first-round pick. Brandon Cooks was a first-round pick. You know, so there were a few exceptions to the rule, but over the course of 16 years, that really wasn't a position they they chose to invest in. Uh, in early rounds, at all, they always felt like they could plug in, and they did. Now, Lance Moore was a perfect example. Marcus Colston was a great example. These are two incredible guys that were Saints Hall of Fame players, and and obviously deserved it. But again, you know, they do a great job of identifying those value guys. But you, you're typically not going to win Super Bowls if you got too many of those guys. And I think that wide receiver does need to be addressed and needs to be addressed pretty early on where this franchise. Is concerned When you look at the overall makeup of this team, uh, the quarterback position obviously is one that, that is the, the primary focus at this point. And who knows what it's going to look like with Dennis Allen. And, and obviously it's going to have a lot to do with who he brings in to, to run that offense too. So I don't know. I said prior to last season that I did not think the starting quarterback in 2022 was on the roster. I, and that was—I meant that as no disrespect to Jameis Winston, uh, to Taysom Hill, and in retrospect to Trevor Simeon or Ian Book. I think Simeon would be a good guy to have on your team because he—he's a solid backup type, a guy that can step in and play when you need a guy to play and and win a game for you. Uh, he's not a—he's not a starter on a winning team consistently, but he's a guy that can play that role. Uh, he may get an offer elsewhere. And with regard to. Taysom Hill, I think he's clearly best suited to return to the role that he played previously. The problem is, when are we ever going to see him? And this injury is going to take a while. And then right. with Taysom Hill, he's the one, I mean, with uh, Jameis Winston, he's the one that I don't think anybody sure up because we got a sample size. It was a pretty solid sample size. Nothing, nothing outrageously good, just a solid sample size. He did not turn the ball over. He played within the system. Uh, the 59% completion wasn't what you want. And obviously wide receivers had something to do with that, but they were doing a pretty solid job overall. But can they get better than that? I think they can. The question is, if you can't get better, then you should bring Winston back. Thoughts?
2: Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. I mean, uh, you know, Dennis Allen has already talked about how quarterback is the number one priority. They don't even have an offensive coordinator in the building yet, and he's talking about quarterback being the number one priority. I think that's right, because even when it comes to that, you're still – choosing your offensive coordinator very likely with an eye towards who your quarterback is going to be in 2022. And so I think that they'll leave no stone unturned. I think you're seeing a lot of rumors about quarterbacks. You'll continue to see a lot of rumors about quarterbacks. I spoke with Trey Wingo not too long ago uh, at Super Bowl Radio Row, and he talked about how this offseason might be one of the most interesting we've ever seen in terms of the veteran quarterback market and the number of quarterbacks that could be on the move. I would expect very much for the New Orleans Saints to be a part of just about every single one of those conversations. They might not land the top guy. They might not get everybody that they want. That might not be the case. But – they'll be a part of the conversation. They'll leave no stone unturned. They will look at all of the different possibilities because you have a quarterback that, you know, is coming off of an ACL injury. That means that he might not be somebody that's going to be signed on March 16th or March 17th, whenever free agency opens up officially. He might be more of an April, May, June type of signing, which means the New Orleans Saints have time to sort of explore the market, the trade market, the free agency market, all of that, and may even have the opportunity to wait and see who they land in the draft if they decide to go with one of the draft quarterbacks, which I'm not sure there's necessarily a start-tomorrow quarterback in the first round of this draft, but they could go that route to bringing in you know a, a veteran that can help them right now but then develop the quarterback behind them if development becomes a part of what the New Orleans Saints want to do, especially with Ronald Curry at their quarterback coach position now, who's a fantastic developmental coach, that could be something that the Saints look to do that they haven't really done before in the Sean Payton era.
1: Yeah, listen, I think it's a wide-open book right now. I don't know exactly where they go, but it was pretty interesting because you look at the last two Super Bowl champions, Tampa Bay went all in on Tom Brady. Uh, They decided they were just going to mortgage everything to try to win it with Brady, and it paid off. They won it. Mm -hmm. Now now they're likely to, they're not going to start over but they're going to have to break it down some financially because they were all in. And then, of course, this year, the same thing happened with the Rams. They gave yep. up so much, so much value to go all in on Stafford, and no matter what they do from here on out, it worked. They won the Super Bowl. So the yep. question would be, would the New Orleans Saints look to do that as well? They did it with Drew Brees uh, in his final year, and obviously they didn't win it. Uh, but certainly, looking at what's happened the last two years, that would be an interesting dynamic to, to take a serious look at if you're the Saints, if you think you're not far from being that team.
2: Yeah, and, and I don't think that they do, right? I, I think that they think they're very close, especially with the expectation of having Michael Thomas back In the facility in 2022, I think that that's a huge step for them because he impacts everything, right? He gives you Mm -hmm. freedom at that quarterback spot to be able to go with somebody that's maybe a little bit younger, but that could give you a ton of upside because you have somebody that you can target close to the line of scrimmage and that will, you know, work out for you. It impacts the run game because you're not seeing as many eight man boxes. You know, Alvin Kamara toward the end of the season was seeing 70, 80% eight man boxes down there. Now, Alvin Kamara, of course, is going to be another big piece of the puzzle in terms of what his the beginning date of his season ends up looking like. So we'll have to see how all that goes with the whole Vegas situation. But regardless, you're, if you're the New Orleans Saints, you feel like you can compete next season if you make two or three right decisions. And the number one top one that you have to make that right decision at is going to be that quarterback spot.
1: No doubt. And then, of course, with we'll see what happens with this situation in Kansas City where it's possible that the enemy isn't there anymore, and if he isn't, would he be a consideration to come here? I know he was a serious consideration for head coach. I mean, as I wrote at CrescentCitySports.com, I thought the hire of Allen was the right hire based on the circumstances. Whether Mm -hmm. he's the best guy or not is another story and remains to be seen, but given the circumstances and the fact that he had virtual unilateral support amongst the players, uh, the front office, the owner, uh, it makes sense because... The Saints are close, and because they've had consistent winning, as opposed mm-hmm. to bringing somebody in from the outside, which is what I absolutely would have advocated if they were a 6-10 and team or a 5-11 and yeah. team. But that's not the case. So I thought they made the right move in that regard, and yet it's pretty interesting with the enemy, with all the interviews he's gotten, that he still hasn't gotten a job, and, and people ask about it all the time. I can't speak to why. I can't say that if a man's heart is – is racist if he's not getting hired because of the color of his skin. I don't know that. Uh, I really right. don't. I don't. I don't know that any of us do. Uh, but something isn't happening for him with all the interviews he's had, and now the fact that you know we're getting you know some inkling that he might not be in Kansas City anymore, which to me would be very intriguing because that would present, I think, an opportunity for you to go out and bring him in.
2: Absolutely. Look, they spent eight hours in think that with Eric Bianchi. That's it. I don't know about you. I've never had an eight-hour long job, <laughs> in, right?
1: No, not even close, my friend.
2: <laughs> and if I did, I feel bad for whoever had it with me, right? But you I got think, that right. you know, when it comes down to it, I, I think that a guy like Eric Bieniemy, who is in a situation to where he could be his reputation and his ability to advance could be hindered by the fact that he has work, has been working with Andy Reid and that he hasn't necessarily been calling all of the offensive plays. Now he's been relaying plays and things like that, but he hasn't been the situational play caller. So if you end up seeing an opportunity, if you're Eric Enemy, to move into a head coaching position, you might need a stop somewhere where you are in full control of the offense, where you are calling the plays, where you are the situational play caller, and you are doing all those things. You're checking all those things off on your resume, which open up the doors for you for to be a head coach if things go well as early as 2023, and the New Orleans Saints could potentially present that as they are looking for an offensive coordinator that's effectively going to run the offense. It would be his offense. In New Orleans. Dennis Allen wants to do the defense, right? So that offensive coordinator hire is going to be perhaps more important, if not as important, as the head coaching hire was uh, based upon your ability to score points and survive and compete in an offensive league. And if Eric Bieniemy can do that in a situation to where he is in full control of what it is that is producing on that field, then that's a huge step forward from him out from under the shadow of Andy Reid. And it could be a really, really great opportunity for him and maybe exactly what it is that he and andy reed who not only do they work together but they're good friends and he has a lot of respect for eric bianney may be thinking in their in their look at do we continue to move forward here in kansas city or is it about getting him another opportunity somewhere else so that he can advance and get that head coaching uh spot that he has been interviewing for for countless years at this point
1: yeah it's a strange situation look i also believe. Uh, having having known Aaron Glenn, that he can definitely be a head coach in this league yep. and be a good one too. And I think that was a legitimate interview process there. I don't think that was lip service. I just don't. I right. I, I have an idea about, about him, and I know they really like him. And I just think if if he'd had another couple of years, it might have been different. By the way, if Dan Campbell hadn't left, he might be the head coach here. I mean, he right. was a guy that was the associate head coach, had a lot of – a lot of skins on the wall that people really respected, including being an interim head coach. And and he's a forceful guy. And I think he's, I think he'll be good. It's just that Detroit is a really hard situation. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's going to take a little while there. So I think there were legitimate guys. And as for Brian Flores, I just think that given the accusations that have been made, I think most people are just going to wait because they want to wait and see whether there's, there's validity to it or not. Uh, the worst thing that could happen is that you you, you take the leap and hire him, and then you find out that some of this stuff isn't accurate. We don't know that. So I think that probably hindered his cause a little bit too. But I think given the circumstances that the Saints made the right move in this situation, regardless of what happens long-term. All right, so last last question before I let you get away. If you had to pick an early favorite in each conference for next season, who might those teams be in your mind?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I I agree with you. I think the Buffalo Bills might be one of the might be one of, if not the most complete team in the NFL. They they didn't get things going the way that they uh, that they had hoped in the playoffs this season, but I do think that they're a team that, with another offseason, with a fantastic coach and Sean McDermott, with a great quarterback and Josh Allen, with a dynamic receiver like Stephon Diggs, with a fantastic defense led by guys like Micah Hyde and uh, Tre'Davious White, who of course hasn't been on the field right, and so. I really, really think that between the injury, the injured players that are coming back that will serve as kind of a a base level of free agency for them, plus their ability to be able to maneuver, add pieces, and kind of replicate what the New Orleans Saints did from 2017 to 2020, that gives them a really, really good opportunity to continue to take that next step. So I'll take them for the AFC here early, and then depending upon what happens with the Rams, does Aaron Donald retire, Mm -hmm. what happens with Sean McVay, there's just a lot of question marks there. So I would would love to say Los Angeles Rams, but if it's not going to be them, I think the NFC is kind of wide open. And so I might look at teams like the Dallas Cowboys. They're going to be a little bit more uh, have a little bit more continuity going into 2022. And then, you know, even maybe some of these other teams, like the San Francisco 49ers and Kyle Shanahan, who have done awesome and who are going to be moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo, who perhaps caused them more problems than solve their issues. And if Trey Lance pans out the way that they expect that he will in a system that's built specifically to, uh, you know, elevate a quarterback of his talent level, I would watch out for them as well.
1: Yeah, I think you're right on the NFC is wide open. San Francisco with any quarterback play wins. They were they were the best yeah. team. I mean, we're having a different conversation if if Tart can catch basically what was a fair catch throw by Stanford. Right. <laughs> so I mean, you know, we're having a different conversation if that happened, regardless of whether Garoppolo played badly or not. But he doesn't right. catch the ball and they don't beat the Rams for a seventh straight time. And you're right about the Rams, who knows about Donald and what he's going to do. And if he doesn't play again, uh that changes everything because and then Cooper Cup's a great player, but can he possibly replicate what he did this year? I mean, that right. was just out, off the charts crazy in terms of what he did. Don't like their running back situation, not thrilled about their running game period. Gotta believe Andrew Whitworth's retiring. And it's just right. hard to it's hard to get back uh after you win it the previous year. You know, it's yeah. very difficult. So I do think the NFC's wide open, which is another reason why if the New Orleans Saints can make the right moves, two or three really good moves, they could be mm-hmm. right there. This team won nine games with 58 starters, four quarterbacks, and four kickers, and COVID issues for two games. And, and they would have definitely won 10 games had they been uh, healthy enough. And that would have yeah. gotten them into the playoffs. So, yeah, I think there's a window there. And the other reason I like their chances if they make the right moves is because, uh, th- simply put, their division isn't very good. So you play play these people six times, you can definitely win four and, and, and probably five games if you're good enough.
2: Yeah, absolutely. The only thing more open than the NFC might be the NFC South division itself and the Saints are in a good position there.
1: Okay, Ross, remind everybody about how they can follow you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Follow me on Twitter, Ross Jackson Nola, N O L A. And of course, Lockdown Saints podcast is every Monday through Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Free on YouTube as well. And you can catch all the written work over at canalstreetchronicles.com and some other big news coming up too. But I'll talk to you about that next time I talk to you. How about that?
1: That sounds like a great tease and a great idea. <laughs> so make sure you make sure you follow Ross, listen to his podcast, read his material, does a great job, and we we'll always appreciate the visit. Thank you, Ross. God bless you here.
2: Hey, God bless, bud. Take care.
1: Okay. Ross Jackson. We'll take a brief time out here when we return. The New Orleans Pelicans getting set for their third game with CJ McCollum in the fold at home tonight against Toronto. We'll talk about that, college basketball, and more. Glad you're with us on this Monday night. It's all access. I'm Ken Trahan, Rudy Dixon, our producer. We're back in a moment on 1061 FM Nash Icon and at NashFM1061.com.
4: Inside New Orleans, if it's New Orleans sports, culture, food inside New Orleans with Eric Asher is talking about it we taste it four on 1061 Nash icon and available online anytime at NashfM1061.com.
3: Are you in the market for a new job? Are you in the market for a new job? We can help. Attend Cumulus Media's virtual job fair going on now. See open positions at Los Efe's Grill, GT Automotive, Silver Slipper Casino, Priority Healthcare, Antoine's Bakery, Rizzuto's, Rapid Urgent Care, and the Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Office. Go to NashFM1061.com and click on Cumulus New Orleans Job Fair. US Texting and calls for recurring automated marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop to opt out. Terms and conditions apply. Visit ISSA online for details.
5: Hey, how'd you like to get paid to work out? Yes, I said get paid to work out. Now you can with ISSA, the global leader in personal fitness certification. If you're interested in a money-making career in fitness as a personal trainer, now is your time because ISSA is guaranteeing you will get a job. That's right. There's a huge demand for certified personal trainers right now. So once you get ISSA certified, they guarantee you will get a job. Just text FORM to 323232 now to get started for free. You do everything at your own pace and 100% online. Live your life on your terms. Get certified and train like you want. Full time at a gym, at home, or as a side hustle. Whatever works for you. Don't wait another day to start your career in fitness. Get certified and start making money fast. Guaranteed. Just text FORM to 323232 right now to get started with your ISSA certification for free. Text the word FORM to 323232.
0: Oh,
3: oh, O'Reilly!
0: Be ready for winter weather and save money at O'Reilly Auto Parts. It's time to replace your old wiper blades with a new pair of Bosch Icon wiper blades. Right now, save $8 per pair and earn double O rewards points. Our professional parts people will even install them for you for free. Visit your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store or online at OReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly!
3: Auto Parts! Brought to you by Bristol-Myers Squibb and Pfizer. Tackle your worst cold and flu symptoms with Max Strength NyQuil Severe. The nighttime sniffling, sneezing, coughing, sore throat, stuffy head, aching fever, best sleep with a cold, medicine. Use as directed.
5: Find it in the cold and flu aisle at a Walmart near you.
4: If you're looking for a local professional Louisiana contractor who has thousands of squares of material in stock right in our Luling warehouse, you have found him. We can get the material out to the job and we can get the job done. Han Roofing refuses to use the cheapest products they can find. Why would anyone want to shop for the cheapest price for their insurance company? Call Hon Roofing today. The number is 504-737-2228. 504-737-2228.
3: This report is sponsored by Dairy Queen. DQ fans, Valentine's Day needs no reservations, just a DQ Cupid cake. It's got a layer of red velvet cake blizzard, cake pieces, and cream cheese icing. And it's the perfect size for two. So head to DQ and make the DQ Cupid cake the centerpiece of your celebration. Only at your DQ. Happy tastes good.
1: Welcome to your daily sports report presented by CrescentCitySports.com. Super Bowl 56 turned out to be a good one. Cooper, cup, caught a one-yard touchdown pass from Matthew Stafford with 125 to play to give the Los Angeles Rams a 23-20 win over Cincinnati. The touchdown capped to 15 plays, 79-yard drive. Then the Rams got a stop on the final possession by the Bengals. Matthew Stafford threw three touchdown passes, offsetting a pair of picks, and Cup caught eight passes for 92 yards and was the MVP. Joe Burrow threw for 263 yards and a score. Jamar Chase, five, catches 89 yards. The Rams sacked Burrow seven times. Having lost two straight games with C.J. McCollum, in the fold, the New Orleans Pelicans are back in action at home tonight against the Toronto Raptors. In women's college basketball, Sunday Tulane whips. Cincinnati, 80 to 56. Moon Ersen, 18 points, 10 boards, five assists. Men's play tonight: Number two Loyola hosts Stillman College. The Xavier men and women host Louisiana Christian. Softball Sunday: Number 14 LSU over Central Arkansas, two to one. Xavier got its first two wins: four to one over Alcorn State, eleven to six over Southeastern Baptist. For these stories and more, visit CrescentCitySports.com. Have a blessed day and be a good sport for CrescentCitySports.com. I'm Ken Treyhan.
3: Traffic is brought to you by D.A. Exterminating. Proud to be locally owned and serving over 60 years. D.A. Exterminating is proud to be locally owned and serving Louisiana's Gulf South for over 60 years. If you want a fast response and great service, call D.A. now on the North Shore and in Metairie. Or you can visit us online at daexterminating.com.
0: Now's the time. What's on your mind? Time to express your thoughts by calling Ken Trahan of crescentcitysports.com and all access on 1061 NASH ICON and at nashfm1061.com. Call
1: 504-260-1061. The New Orleans Pelicans are about 20 minutes away from hosting the Toronto Raptors, another good Eastern team in town. They shoot it pretty well from the perimeter. Van Fleet has been good. Uh, look, they, they're tough, and you're going to have to play significantly better. But you're seeing the growing pains of making big change in the middle of a season. This is what's going to occur. We've seen it before. They struggle when they initially made the big deal for Boogie Cousins, but then they ride in the ship one six in a row and he got hurt. CJ McCollum from game one to game two was dramatically different. Game one struggled a bit with his shot. Game two, he went off and was tremendous, but again, didn't have a whole lot of support. And they need more. But their offense was actually good enough against San Antonio. They actually shot the ball to the tune of 50% from the field. They shot well from the line. But they got no stops. And therein lies the problem. Josh Hart was not only a good defender, but he was long. At about 6'5", 6'6". And now you've gone to a much smaller player. And you've got a much smaller lineup on the exterior. Devontae Graham is smaller. You go to Alvarado, he's smaller. And McCollum is smaller than... Heart. so again, it's a different dynamic when it comes to the defensive end of the floor. You had to give up something to get something. And I was all supportive of getting C.J. McCollum, and I still am because he's such a professional scorer and gives this team a legitimate, very good second option. And if you have Williamson, but that's another story. Uh, A terrific third option, right? Tonight, the starting lineup stays the same. Devontae Graham, C.J. McCollum, At the guards, Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones at the forwards, Jonas Valanciunas at the center spot. It's a small lineup. They're not very big, but that's the trend in the league anyway. But Jackson Hayes back to the bench with the acquisition of McCollum, and he was playing well at the four as a starter. But again, the trade will force this lineup to be what you're looking at initially, which they're doing. Brandon Ingram still scoring the ball, but one thing that's noticeable That he hasn't done since McCollum came on board is he hasn't been a playmaker that he was. I mean, he had become a complete player. He's always been a scorer, but he had become a complete player. He was really involved in setting others up and, and piling up assists. Well, as Will Guillory has put out, and we have on this show frequently from The Athletic, Brandon Ingram has a total of just five assists in the last three games. And part of that is who's got the ball in his hands and trying to fit McCollum in. That That's it. I mean, that's pretty much what you're looking at right now. So I think you have to find a way to be able to get them on the same side of the floor. Or if they're on opposite sides of the floor, they've got to keep each other involved. I think uh, both of them obviously can play Together, as mentioned, tonight's tough matchup, Toronto's a good team. They're not going to be fun to play. We're looking forward to seeing what happens. 260-1061 back in a moment with more here on all access on 1061 FM, NASH Icon and at NASHFM1061.com.
4: If you're looking for a local professional Louisiana contractor who has thousands of squares of material in stock, right in our Luling warehouse, you have found him. We can get the material out to the job and we can get the job done. Han Roofing refuses to use the cheapest products they can find. Why would anyone want to shop for the cheapest price for their insurance company? Call Han Roofing today. The number is 504-737-2228. 504-737-2228.
3: Tackle your worst cold and flu symptoms with max strength NyQuil Severe. The nighttime sniffling, sneezing, coughing, sore throat, stuffy head, aching fever, best sleep with a cold? Medicine. Use as directed.
5: Find it in the Colton blue Aisle at a Walmart near you. Susan, I'm sorry I'm late. Traffic is terrible. It sure is. But on top of that, gas prices have been skyrocketing. I can't believe how expensive gas has gotten recently. Prices at the pump are up, but I never pay full price for gas anymore. I just use the free get Upside Gas app that pays you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get paid cash when you buy gas with the GetUpside app? Yes, up to $0.25 cents a gallon cash back every time I buy gas. And does that actually add up? to anything? I'll make $200 to $300 this year. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the free GetUpside app now.
3: Download the free GetUpside app now in the App Store or Google Play to save up to $0.25 cents a gallon when you buy gas. Use promo code TIME for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's up to $0.50 cents a gallon on your first fill-up. You can cash out any time to your bank account, PayPal, or any gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TIME for up to $0.50 cents a gallon cash. cash. Cash back on your first tank. That's code TIME.
1: Okay, let's play a little game. How many pairs of footwear do you think Skechers has sold? 100 million? 200 million? 500 million? Not even close, Shunak the Magnificent. Over two billion, with a capital B. How? By being a comfort technology company. Skechers are good for your feet, with features like air-cooled memory foam, hyper burst foam, and more. And comfortable fits like relax fit, wide fit, and arch fit, just to name a few. No matter what pair you choose, you need to be guaranteed of one thing. They'll be comfortable right out of the box. Find them at Skechers.com, the Skechers store, or wherever stylish footwear is sold.
3: this report is sponsored by Dairy Queen. DQ fans, Valentine's Day needs no reservations, just a DQ Cupid cake. It's got a layer of red velvet cake blizzard, cake pieces, and cream cheese icing. And it's the perfect size for two. So head to DQ and make the DQ Cupid cake the centerpiece of your celebration. Only at your DQ. Happy tastes good. This is Josh Danzig with Where you at? Magazine and WhereYouAt.com with your weekend picks for 1061 Nash Icon. Need a romantic date spot for Valentine's? Catch the New Orleans Opera's Gala Concert on Friday and Sunday at the Mahalia Jackson Theater. Or take your date roller skating at the Ace Hotel. It's All Skate this Friday and Saturday night with DJs, great cocktails, and much more. For more info on what to do this weekend, log on to Wariat.com and click on the community calendar. And be sure to pick up the new Mardi Gras issue of Wariat Magazine in locations all over town.
5: Cumulus New Orleans, incredible service and excellent results. New Orleans is always number one with Cumulus Radio and Digital.
0: This is where you get all access. Not just the focus on one or two topics. All sports are on the table with your calls at all times. Join us now by calling 260-1061. Now back to Ken Trahan on 1061 NASH Icon through CrescentCitySports.com and at NASHFM1061.com.
1: College basketball, Tulane playing at USF this evening. Number two Loyola hosting Stillman College this evening. And the Xavier men and women are hosting Louisiana Christian and LSU guard Tari Eason and two-lane f- forward Crystal Freeman have been honored by the Louisiana Sports Writers Association as the Men's and Women's College Basketball Players of the Week. Congratulations to both. And for the second time this season, senior guard Troy Green of the University of New Orleans has been named the Southland Conference Men's Basketball Player of the Week. And Troy Green has been a solid player for UNO, and he and Derek St. have just made them very viable this year, in particular in the conference where they lead the league right now, and they won both games uh, this past week in conference play. And, of course, you can hear all their games right here on 106.1 FM Nash Icon and at NashFM1061.com. We'll take a final break here, back with a final word in a moment, here on All Access for a Monday night on 106.1 FM Nash Icon and at NashFM1061.com.
0: Since 1935, the All-State Sugar Bowl has been a proud New Orleans New Year's Day tradition. Through its annual support of college football and amateur sports, the Sugar Bowl attracts hundreds of thousands of visitors to the state, providing countless opportunities for young people. Resources from these events enable the Sugar Bowl to support education and community programs impacting thousands of New Orleans area teachers and citizens. The All-State Sugar Bowl,
1: proud to host the best of the Big 12 and the SEC in the Superdome on New Year's Day. Family owned and operated by a great local family, Bergeron Volvo at 3525 Veterans Boulevard in Metairie has a full stock of fabulous 2021 vehicles with a wide range of the XC series, including the XC40, the XC60, and the XC90. If you are looking for a luxury sedan, see the S60 or S90. Don't forget the XC90 Hybrid or rugged V90 Cross Country from Bergeron Volvo. Visit BergeronVolvoCars.com. To
5: experience our idea of luxury, visit Bergeron Volvo on vets in Metairie or online at BergeronVolvo.com today
1: Ken Trahan here with Scott Craig of Francesca by Katie's Deli Pizzeria 515 Harrison Avenue in Lakeview. We both love high school sports and the St. Louis Cardinals. That's a big amen. And we both love great food at a great location. That's a bigger amen. Francesca by Katie's has it all. That includes daily specials, building your own sandwiches and pizzas, delicious burgers, scrumptious salads, and a kid's menu. Francesca by Katie's is also host of Ken Trahan's original prep football report. We love supporting our area schools. It's a shame not everybody can go to Brother Martin. Or Rumble. If you don't come, you're to blame. You'll be glad you came. Francesca by Katie's 515 Harrison Avenue in Lakeview.
0: Wow, it's like I was in the story. Almost makes me forget this was supposed to be about saving big with Progressive. (laughs) Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
5: So you finally got your credit score up to 700. You're feeling good, about to get a new credit card with rewards. You apply and, ooh, it's not approved. And that knocks your score right out of the 700 club. There's a better way. Next time, go to Credit Karma and check out your approval odds first so you can find a card you're more likely to get approved for. And with over 100 million members, there are plenty of reviews to help you choose. Get your free credit scores and find the right card for you at Credit Karma. Approval not guaranteed, subject to checks.
4: Spud here, and you know the first place I go when my family needs to see a doctor's rapid urgent care. I mean, you're in and out of there in 40 minutes, give or take. You spend that much time in an ER just waiting to get triaged. From a broken ankle to a bee sting to a COVID test, Rapid Urgent Care has got you covered with clinics all over southeast Louisiana. You don't need an appointment. Just walk right in with your ID and your insurance card. Or you can sign up for their health care partnership. Rapid Urgent Care also has a telemed center. Just waiting for your call might save you a trip. Go to rapidurgentcare.com to find out more and to find the clinic nearest you.
3: Meet the Budweiser Clydesdales. Make plans to attend Horses, Hops, and Cops on Wednesday, February 16th at the NOPD Horse Stables in City Park. It's a benefit for the NOPD Mounted Unit. Bring the entire family and enjoy live music from Street Life Band and Preservation Brass. Watch a horse soccer game and much more. VIP tickets are available and it's free admission for everyone starting at 5 p.m. Get up close to the Budweiser Clydesdales and help support the NOPD Mounted
4: Unit. Go to HorsesHopsAndCops.com for all the info. Produced by the
3: Louisiana Hospitality Foundation.
4: If you're looking for a local professional Louisiana contractor who has thousands of squares of material in stock right in our Luling warehouse, you have found him. We can get the material out to the job and we can get the job done. Han Roofing refuses to use the cheapest products they can find. Why would anyone want to shop for the cheapest price for their insurance company? Call Han Roofing today. The number is 504-737-2228. 504-737-2228.
0: Always welcoming intelligent points of view, whether we agree or disagree. Let's have constructive dialogue on all access with Ken Trahan on 106.1 FM Nash Icon, at NashFM1061.com, and through CrescentCitySports.com. Give us a call at
1: 504-260-1061. As we wind down tonight, are you ready for college baseball? That's right. Loyola's already underway. Delgado's already underway. Dolphins and Wolfpack continue their seasons this week. Meanwhile, LSU, Tulane, and UNO get underway this week. UNO opening up in the Andre Dawson Classic this Friday night against Arkansas Pine Bluff. They play Grambling in Alabama State as well in the Classic.